If you're looking for industry insider knowledge or seeking advice on the hottest prospects and rookies, if your goal is a better return on investment, these next 30 minutes will not help with any of that. We're going to talk cards. We're going to talk about life. We're going to share some laughs. And we're most definitely going to wax nostalgic. Coming to you from the Why I Collect Studios in the Rod Carew Man Cave, deep in the bowels of the EN Sports Cards Estate, in the heart of Louisville, Kentucky. Broadcasting around the world. So put that junk wax binder down and your headphones on. You're listening to the People Over Cards podcast with your host, Che. A heart of the hobby production. Welcome, my friends. I'm your host, Che, from ensportscards.com, and you're listening to the People Over Cards podcast. Happy Monday! It's June 5th, 2023, and this is Episode 3 of People Over Cards. Have you ever Googled an upcoming product release to get that early look at its complete checklist or the autographs that are going to be in there? Or have you ever seen Beckett's iconic hot and cold list? If you have, then you are no doubt familiar with my next guest. It's a privilege for me today to welcome Ryan Cracknell from Beckett.com to the show. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm the one that uh, feels honored. Yeah, I don't know about that. But yeah, thanks again for, for, for agreeing to be on. I truly am honored to have you on the show. So um, let's jump right into it. I don't know if you – this is only my third episode, so I don't know if you're familiar with the way I do things on this show. But I always like to start just with an icebreaker. I ask four quick and easy questions just to get the conversation started. Uh, the concept is simple. I'll throw the question out there, and you just give me the first quick thought that comes to your mind. You ready? All right, let's do it. All right, number one. Who was the greatest Montreal Expo ever? Uh, Vladimir Guerrero. Okay, all right. Um, if you could magically bring back one now-defunct card manufacturer or card release product, what would that product be? I would want to bring back Sportflix to give it a little bit of redemption in Beckett because whenever I look at old issues, there seem to be issues with uh, with Sportflix. So Ooh. I'm going to say that is a uh, is a weird answer. I love that answer, and I did not expect that one. That's awesome. All right, so um, what's your favorite sport to watch, and is that different than your favorite sport to collect? Uh, no, baseball definitely is number one in both. Okay, I got a hot or cold for you now, and this, this is the fourth one. Is pasta better served hot or cold? Hot. Okay, all right, very cool. All right, well, thank you for uh, indulging me on that. I just I like to, to kind of get started and get the juices flowing that way. Um, like I said, this is only my third episode, so I, I don't think you've had – I've only just released number two yesterday. Uh, so um, if you're not familiar with the format I'm using – 
this show is is not about trying to get the scoop on the latest product release from you uh, or the scoop on hobby news or hobby rumors. Really, all I want to do is to learn more about you, the collector, the man who loves this beautiful hobby of ours. So when it's over, I simply want the listeners and myself to know more about Ryan than we do right now. Does that sound fair? Sounds good. Hopefully, I'll I'll jazz it up and make it interesting as well. Oh, it'll be interesting, no doubt. So, all right, let's do this then. Um, I'll start off with the same question that I've asked of everyone so far. So, I know you've made a full-time career of this hobby. Um, I know of the articles I read that you've written in Beckett. Uh, I see your current opinions and your current takes on your Twitter feed, but I, I really don't know anything at all of how this love of the hobby began for you. Uh, would you mind to share your hobby origin story with us? How did, how did your love of this hobby and collecting sports cards begin? Sure. Uh, I think the earliest it goes back is E.T. Uh, when that hit theaters back in 1982, I remember very vividly going to the grocery store with my mom and there would be the wax pack sitting at the checkout counter Um, I didn't realize it at the time, uh, but getting even one of those packs was a big deal uh, because we didn't have a lot of money and my mom was sacrificing a lot for me and my sister to raise us and everything else. So those were my first cards that I remember getting. Uh, Fast forward a couple years later would be my first foray into the sports side with 85-86 OPG hockey. At the time, I didn't realize it, but that was a monster of a set because that had uh, Mario Lemieux's rookie amongst others. And I had, I'm sure I had at least one or two, but my old best friend stole my whole stack and they disappeared and everything else. I fast forward a couple more years later and I got into the Panini stickers uh, with the hockey sticker album. And that really got me going into sports. That's how I developed an interest in sports and learned about the players and everything else. And right around then was when the boom happened in the late 80s, early 90s. So cards just happened to be everywhere. And I've just honestly never stopped. You know, there have been a few lulls in between, but there's always been cards happening ever since. So, well, that that that's that's awesome. So I'm going to assume that you grew up in Canada. You're you're in you're in Canada now. So uh, with with the um, with the hockey hockey collection. So uh, that's that's something I never had exposure to as a child. Heck, I, I was lucky to find. Fleer or Donruss baseball. It was all tops, tops baseball. It's a, I never saw any basketball cards or any anything other than tops baseball. So seeing hockey uh, on the shelves would have been would have been absolutely um, foreign to me. Yeah, but, for, for me the the exotic thing was actually tops because everything up here was Opeachy, and I still find uh, tops hockey from the eighties to be really weird. I try not to be snobby <laughs> about cards, but I will fully embrace and acknowledge that 80s tops hockey just does not do it for me at all because i'm an opichi baby and uh yeah it's just it's just kind of weird that said i don't really collect hockey anymore i hockey doesn't interest me too much uh it's fun to go to live but i live on an island and the canucks are really long ways so, well a couple hours away and tickets are really expensive so i don't have much hockey exposure anymore Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I'll tell you, I'm. I guess you, you said the the '80s tops are, are really weird and in, in, to you, and they just don't seem right. I love to this day. I was going through. I'm almost positive it was a Tim Raines, my Tim Raines binder the other day, and there was a 
one binder page full of 87 tops. And then I looked down and one of them was OPG. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. I still love seeing those that are that are intermingled with my tops. And I didn't realize that, that they weren't tops, but they were actually OPG. I, I loved I loved that that set when I when I was young and obviously we never could get them but I love finding them uh in my old cards that's it, it's pretty awesome so OPG I'm OPG baseball I'm so happy that over the last 3 4 years I was finally starting to get some love I see and you know not only of course they're harder to get cuz there's a lot fewer Canadian baseball fans than you know American fans with tops uh but i just i love the crisp backs the white backs if you flip it over onto the other side it's all nice and white kind of like the traded sets or the tiffany's and yeah i don't know they're they're just pretty yeah they they are i I do like those backs as well like you said they kind of remind you of a tiffany or a traded and uh, they just stand out so um well very cool um so you moved on from hockey and you weren't really a hockey collector. And you, you said it in, in the first uh, quick fire questions there that, that baseball was your sport to watch and your sport to collect. So um, how do you collect? I, when I'm, when I'm describing my, my collecting, I call it my why I collect. Why, why do I still collect? What, what do I do? What do I look for in collecting? Um, you know, I see in your, your profile on Beckett.com that, that you're a set builder and an Expos fan. So have you always, you know, just followed that trajectory of collecting the same way as you did when, when you were young, you know, do you still try to build sets? So what's your, why collect look like right now? What's how, how do you collect? Honestly, right now it's in flux. I'm uh, I'll be fully honest. I don't know where I stand right now. A lot of life changes in the last six months have kind of thrown, it's been chaotic in the house and, uh, yeah, uh, but overall, I would still say that I'm a set collector. I have lists upon lists upon lists, um, but costs, availability, uh, postage actually is a huge reason why I don't necessarily collect as many sets as I used to. Actually, I definitely don't. Uh, now, if it's any, it'll be flagship tops or maybe maybe stadium club. Uh, but even then, I'm now going directly to people like Brenton Becca or other sellers and just buying a set full out okay. instead of busting pack after pack after pack because it's expensive. Uh, in Canada, blasters, I believe, for top series one this year, up to $40 each. And that's, wow. that's going beyond the impulse buy where I'm comfortable. I can buy, I was actually comparing on my Twitter a couple of weeks ago. We still have Toys R Us here. And so I went into Toys R Us and there was like this really cool Indiana Jones Lego set for $45 over in the card section. There was heritage or something, some blaster and it was $50. So I'm kind of thinking two minutes of a blaster of something that I'm not going to be really uh, pretty much guaranteed. There'll be a couple okay cards, but nothing great versus sitting down and building Lego for a couple hours and having an Indiana Jones minifigure and a Sean Connery <laughs> minifigure. And it was a car and a plane. And it's just kind of like, well, where's the enjoyment? Which one would I enjoy more if I'm going to be spending that money? And it honestly went to the Lego. I, I left the store with neither. I'm not, uh, I'm cutting costs big time right now across the board on everything other than food and mortgage payments. But it's, uh, yeah, it, it Definitely the last couple of years have made me reflect on how I want to spend money. Um, it's always been, for me, a progressive focus. And 
evolving my collecting that way. So really every couple of years, I just sit down with myself and have that conversation in my head. And it's like, what do I love right now? And how, what's the best, most affordable, efficient way to collect that? And it's become honestly buying a lot of singles, uh, just stuff that catches my eye more. And I hop on sites like ComC because ComC, I can just build like, it's the original stack seller. I can just stack upon cards for months and then get one shipment. It costs a fair bit to ship up here, but it definitely beats the, I think it's $10 for a bubble mailer from the States to the Canada now with just one card. So even that's changed a lot of how I collect because before I'd be trading, you know, $2 worth of cards with someone probably from your neck of the woods. And it was fine because it'd be like $2 to ship it. Not a big deal. Now it's like eight, $10. So you just kind of have to assess. So sorry, yeah. I ramble there. I hope that. No, was- no, no, that was a perfect answer. And I'm so happy that you gave that answer that you gave because, you know, my, my Twitter presence uh, for the last couple of years, I've devoted to trying to, for lack of a better term, inspire people to collect to change how they collect. You know, I see so many people saying I'm priced out of the hobby. I quit. I'm selling everything. I just can't afford this hobby anymore. And I'm like, yes, you can. You just need to change, you know, your, your mindset because I went through it. I, unlike you, I did leave the hobby for, for 20 years. You know, I I left college and life happened, got married, had kids, and I kept all my old cars, but I didn't buy cards for 20 years. But, you know, then, I had a divorce, and I'm only getting my kids 40% of the time, and I was single, and I was sitting in the house bored, and COVID hit, and, you know, I'm I'm working from home, and I'm there by myself, and, you know, I I found that love of the hobby again, but I was like, my goodness, this is an expensive, I mean, holy cow, it's not the hobby that I left as far as pricing goes, so I was like, I can't financially justify buying a first off the line prism box or heck even you know a lot of times a tops chrome box you know that that just you know i can't justify chasing these cars by buying by buying this product so i decided to do i was going to to get rod crew has always been my number one pc so i decided i want to get every rod crew tops fleer and donruss base card that's ever been printed so I went out and I did that. And, you know, I'll accept the, the the rookie. I didn't get his his rookie card. Um, but I had a lot of fun doing that. But I was looking at at the condition of these cards that were coming on eBay. And I was like, man, I wish that one was just in a little bit better condition. I'm not a condition snob. But, man, I would like for, you know, that one doesn't quite look like the picture that, that I saw. So I said, okay, here's what I'll do. I will go for a PSA graded. It doesn't have to be a 10. But. You know, if it's PSA 7, I know what condition that's in. I'll do that for all, you know, all of his cards. That took me a year, year and a half, and I got everything but the rookie and the 68 tops. And I spent less on that entire year having so much fun chasing those cards than I would have on one box of Panini Prism football. Yep. You know, and so now, you know, I love J.R. Richard. I, I completed his career run. For less than a blaster, you know, it cost me less than it would a blaster and I had fun. So I'm just, I'm all about encouraging people to find another lane that allows you to stay in the hobby 
and enjoy it without breaking the bank. So I, I, I love that answer, and I absolutely agree 100% wholeheartedly. That's um, I wish more people could see that, that you don't have to leave the hobby, but maybe just uh, change your change your why I collect a little bit. So yeah, change hard, especially like so much in this, in this hobby is rooted in nostalgia. So the way things used to be is really at the core of a lot of why we collect. So changing that is it, it takes some time to wrap your head around it. Um, a big thing that I've encountered over the years, and I'm grateful that I realized it 20 years ago um, is you can't collect everything anymore. It's impossible. Like, don't even try. That my that was my mindset when I got into set collecting. Was I want everything from this set? Um, that's why I, one of my side collections is John Jaha. I have like every card of his, except for a few one of ones and maybe a couple cards that may or may not exist. I chose him at random because he had a cool name at the time. But B, it was because I liked Ken Griffey Jr. I liked Albert Bell. This was in the mid '90s. Uh, just as the internet was taking off. And it's like, I can't get all of their stuff. So I'm not even going to try. I'm going to go for this no-name guy that no one else, at least at the time I thought was collecting, um, and see what I can do. And it it took a lot of years, but you know, I, I do have a pretty good John Jaha collection. I don't know what I will ever do with it because the couple of other John Jaha fans out there are, I believe long gone or at least out of the hobby, but whatever it's, it's a binder and a couple of side cards and I'm proud of it. But you know, what I would say is if, if you are at that crossroads is just sit down and have a talk with yourself about what you love, go back to the time where you're most happy collecting and maybe skip ahead a little bit more. Uh, the early two thousands, as far as rookies, as far as great sets, is not a great time in the hobby. I, you know, from 2001 to 2010, there's a couple of exceptions, but there are some really, really cool insert sets from that era. Um, you know, Topps Chrome had some really colorful designs for me for baseball. That's what I've been revisiting a lot. It's just kind of going back to those years that I wasn't collecting as much or things that I couldn't afford at the time, but they're actually kind of very much affordable now. And just going there like you did with Rod Carew is, and just jump back in that way and, you know, just refine what you love. And that's, you know, there's a lot of enjoyment in that. Uh, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And uh, you said it perfectly, you know, just, just find something, whether it be inserts from, from the early 2000s or a, a player. Uh, you answered, I had, I had the John Jaha question on my show notes, by the way. So uh, thank you for going ahead and addressing that because, you know, I, I collect Mudcat Grant. You know, and I collect J.R. Richard um, for the same reasons. You know, cool players. You know, I I got Mudcat Grant's uh, Black Aces book, and I was like, man, you know, I haven't I haven't finished reading it yet, but I was like, I'm going to collect his cards, and they're affordable and they're easy, and you know, um, it's just that bit of nostalgia for me. So um, I, I agree with you 100. percent So. Oh, I'm going to shift gears a little bit, if you don't mind, because, you know, I think most people who are listening to this who know you know you from the fact that, that you write for Beckett. And I had Joey Shiver on as my guest last week. He's a Beckett contributor uh, under his pseudonym, Dub Mentality. And, you know, Joey loves to write, and he's a, he's a huge, uh, huge into the hobby. And he, he's cut from the same cloth as you and I. As, you know, he's um, nostalgia-driven. Um, 
child of the 80s, early 90s, and he loves the, the junk wax era cards and um, just really, you know, fits right in with this conversation that we're having. But he was telling me, you know, that first Beckett magazine that he appeared in, he said his wife got, got, it, got it framed. She got the one big frame with – had two copies of the magazine, one with the cover and the other opened up to the page where, where he appeared. And, you know, I'm a – I don't want to say an aspiring writer, but I love to write. You know, I started a blog a few years ago. I just – I like to sit down and, and put my feelings, you know, on pen to paper and, and just – and write about what I'm, what I'm feeling about, what I'm thinking. And I've always, you know, thought if I – if I had another career, I would love to have been a sports writer, or I, I, I would just love to be a writer. So I say all that to say, I think for a lot of us listening right now, you have one of the coolest jobs in the world. So you, you write for Beckett, you know, and and you you love this hobby. So how did that how did that come about? How did how did you join forces with, with Beckett? Oh gosh. Um... Honestly, yeah. You know, anytime you can turn your hobby into a career is is pretty cool. Um, for me, it goes back to, A, I was a collector. There, there's kind of a few steps that got me to where I am. Uh, wouldn't have happened if I wasn't a collector to, to start with. Uh, so I've been collecting for a good decade or so. I don't know. I finished high school, went to university, uh, was doing a writing degree. And the goal at the time was to be a journalist. So some of my background was in journalism, basic stuff. Thank goodness I did not uh, put the effort into the journalism part too much, and I shifted gears more into the creative writing. Uh, But at the time, I was starting up a website uh, because I'm a baseball collector based in Canada. It's not easy to find people to collect with, and I was still in that high school phase or elementary school phase where I could collect with friends, so I didn't have that anymore. So I started a website and was writing a little bit. And then as I was wrapping up university, I threw a pitch out to basically the Canadian Beckett. It was called Canadian Sports Card Collector, Canadian Sports Collector, Um, you know, basically our version of Beckett that we had in Canada and did an article on ETOPS. So that would have been, I guess, 2000 or 2001. That led to a monthly baseball column. And a couple years later, I threw a pitch story to Beckett, got my first story in Beckett then just as a freelance writer. And, you know, I just kind of kept up at my own website. There was spits and spurts and everything else. And finally, around 2000, 2011, I'd been teaching for five, six years, feeling burnt out, wanted to be home with my kids more. And a position came up on another website. And literally the day that I told my teaching, the the principal of the school that I was at, that I wasn't coming back next year, he had offered me a job and I turned him down. And literally that day, a position came up at another website, was there for four and a half years, doing a lot of what I did here at Beckett. Um, You know, some different things, some other things, some experimenting, everything else. And then, you know, Beckett came along in 2015 and said, like, hey, do you want to come work for us? And I kind of felt that I was ready for a change. Um, I'd done a lot of what I set out to do at the previous job with my goals that way and was ready for a new challenge. So now I've been at Beckett for almost eight years now. Man, that's, it's so cool to, to hear, to hear that journey and to hear, I love hearing when people just kind of put themselves out there and take a chance and, and kind of go, 
go grab it and not just, you know, sit back and wait on things to happen for them, but they make things happen for them. So, uh, congratulations, man. I mean, I know it's to me, like, like I said, when I asked the question, it, it would absolutely be a dream job. So, um, it's, it, I'll say it's, it's not the, it's a cool job. Don't get me wrong. I get up. I don't, I've had jobs where I just, I get up and I feel angry and hate it and everything. I don't feel that way. Really, when you're pouring through a spreadsheet, it's not nearly as glorious as you think. Um, I don't get like boxes of cards showing up on my doorstep every day, everything else like that. Uh, but it is kind of fun to get up and be like, yeah, when, when people ask, what's your job? I just tell them straight out. I'm like, I write about baseball cards all day. And it's <laughs> like, oh, okay. And in the last couple of years, it's become cool again. So I, five years ago, I would probably like, duck my head a little bit and be like, I write about baseball cards and turn my head in, in shame. Cause I'm Canadian. That's, that's normal. That's how we are. Or at least <laughs> I am. And uh, now it's like, I write about baseball cards <laughs> and they're like, Oh, that's cool. So. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I got another question about, about Beckett because this, I think, you know, this, this show is about nostalgia. Uh, and I can remember being 13 or 14 years old just waiting on that new Beckett to come out. You know, one, we wanted to see the up and down arrows, you know, mm-hmm. did this card go, go up by a quarter or did it go down by a dollar? But also I wanted to see that hot cold list. Yep. And now you're the man behind the hot cold list. And I think that's so cool, but I mean, without divulging, you know, any, any insider secrets or whatever, what goes into that? Is that you by yourself? Is it no, other, no, other people? No. I, I, I'll take credit for bringing it back because just like you, I loved it. And I think one of the biggest things at Beckett is we do have that history and it kind of disappeared at least online and everything else. And a few years ago, I was like, Hey, I want to bring this back. Any objections? No one gave me objections. So every week the pricing team, uh, so there's someone for each sport. They they submit a couple names. And so there's an initial list uh, for both hot and for cold. And then I kind of look over it and I offer my opinion. And I come up with the list every week. It's I put in the introduction every week that it's meant to be fun because that there's no there's no secret sauce that is like, oh, this is absolutely the hottest thing in all the land. Um, it, it's kind of just like your gut and everything else and taking a look at what's happened that week so right now obviously tops heritage baseball is going to be you know right up near the top if not the top uh jimmy butler you know he's had quite the series uh djokovic everything else uh honestly i haven't had a chance to do them over the last few weeks because i normally sit down with coffee on saturday and can you know take what they suggested and make the graphic and do the write-up and everything else Saturday morning, life is too crazy right now, and I'm at that crossroads where I need to take some time back for myself, and work can sometimes wait, uh, but I'm hoping in the next couple of weeks to get that back on track and everything else. So short answer, uh, no, I don't do it by myself. Uh, B, it's fun. C, no science behind it whatsoever other than gut feelings. Well, thank you for bringing it back to us. I mean, that's um, it's part of it's part of history, and it, it belongs in Beckett. So for sure. Also, uh, feel free to add "People Over Cards" podcast to the hot list uh, next time. Um, so you you kind of touched on this 
a minute ago, but I kind of want to dive just a little bit deeper and, and, and get your full answer. You have made this hobby your career. It's your job. Um, do you find that it being now a job that you that you have to do to, to, to earn a living, has it impacted your ability just to enjoy the hobby like you did before it became a full-time job? Like maybe I enjoy the hobby or, or one of our listeners enjoy it. Has uh, that impacted you in any way? Yeah, honestly, I don't think so. I, I have uh, a brain that I can turn it off and on. Um, I recognize when I work, I'm often putting in a lot of hours. It's not a nine to five job. It's, you know, when I get started in the morning till when I'm done or when I feel that, you know, okay, the most important stuff is taken care of. Um, and then my collecting time is separate. I very rarely interject um, my opinion, it, when it comes to an article on Beckett, you're not going to see a lot of opinion in it. And that's extremely intentional because I do not want to tell people what they should be enjoying, what they should be collecting, everything else. Even when I phrase those hot cold lists, I take great responsibility in that because I know people take those as, Ooh, this is who I should be collecting right now. No, it's fun. We have that in that right. intro that's in there for a reason. Um, who wants to hear about John Jaha cards? Nobody, or at least very <laughs> few. I think I've done a couple articles here and there because I've uncovered like a rare production sample that I'd never heard of. And I got it in the mail and I'm like, hey, this is cool. And it turns out there was like a whole series of them. So yeah, I'm going to cover it that way. I like writing that has personality in it. So occasionally I'll try and throw that in a bit. Um, but my opinion, that's where social media and where Twitter comes in for me is if you ask me a question, opinion on something, I will give it to you. Um, but I'm also not opening every product. And I don't think it's fair to look at a picture on a computer screen and go, this is the greatest set of cards ever made, or this set is garbage or anything else. Because every if it's a good product, it should be made for someone, not for everyone. Right. Um, but it should be made for someone. And if I haven't opened it, I can't offer an opinion on it. I can say, eh, it looks a little iffy or the checklist is not my cup of tea or man, that's expensive. Um, you know, stuff like that observations, but, um, yeah, sorry. I've really rambled there and I've gone off track and oh, no. where I'm at. Uh, that's per Yeah. Go ahead. No, I just, I, I try to keep them separate and I think I do a pretty good job at it. And if you start seeing a lot of Montreal Expos articles or John Jaha articles, you know, anyone can message me at any point and go, Hey man, get to the real stuff and not your, your personal stuff. Yeah. I think when when you said that, I just chuckled inside because I, you know, I talked about how that would be a dream job for me, but I probably wouldn't last long because the editors and would get really upset with me because every article would be about Eric Davis or Rod Carew. You know, it's just like, that's what my Twitter, my Twitter feed uh, tends to, tends to lean that way. And, and I, I often worry about what people are going to not want to follow me anymore. Cause I obsess so much over the same, the same few players over and over again, but that's, you know, that's who I like. It's who I love to collect. And I think you, uh, you do an excellent job of not letting that, you know, in, from what I've read that you've written from not letting that, um, uh, sway your writing so all right um i got one final question for you before we wrap this up and again thank you so much for joining me but i guess the last thing i want to know is is there something i should have asked you about 
that I simply was too ignorant or didn't know to ask you? Is there is there anything that that you would like to share that maybe that you feel like I should have asked you? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. I, I don't honestly. I don't. I that that's just the way I work. Is um, if if you want to know anything about me, I'm an open book. Uh, but I really don't like talking about myself in in that way. Like this is fine. We're having a conversation, but um. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think the if if I could have one lasting word or last word, I guess it would be, is just collect what you love. I've been saying that for like ever. Um, you know, there there's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of things happening. There's literally nine different products every single week, 52 weeks of the year. That's like 500 sets over a year, not including all the new online stuff and everything else. You don't need to collect it all. Figure out what you like. A, that's within your budget. And B, just gets you excited. Stick with those. And if it doesn't fit what you like, ignore it completely. Because if you just focus on the things that you don't like, the hobby becomes this black cloud over you. And you're going to burn out really quickly. And you're not going to enjoy it anymore. So just just ignore everything else that you don't like. Be critical. There, there's a difference between... Uh, being critical and being a quote-unquote hater, by all means, be critical. Thinking is good, but if it consumes your time, that's where it becomes shifts into the opposite, and you're losing focus on what you like and why you're collecting and what you love. So that would be my lasting huzzah moment. Ryan, I don't think I have anything I can add that would be a better summation to this conversation. I want to thank you again for joining me today. I have truly enjoyed getting to know your backstory and learning more about Ryan the Collector. And as always, I want to thank you, the listener. I'm so glad you tuned in today. If you don't already, bookmark Ryan's column on Beckett.com and give him a follow on Twitter. That's at Trader Cracks. Also, if you're new here, give this podcast a follow on whichever platform you're listening on and share it with your friends. That's the best way you can help this thing grow. I'll be back next week with another new guest, and I hope you'll join me then. Until then, this is Che, wishing you happy collecting.